Welcome, you're listening to the Mac Observer's Background Mode. I am your host, John Marcellaro, and this week my guest is Michael Gardenberg. Michael, welcome. Hey, thank you for having me back um, in these uh, craziest of times. Yeah, I'm happy to have you on the show. You are a regular on Background Mode. I believe this is your 11th appearance. But for the listeners who may not be familiar with you yet, Michael Gardenberg spent three years as Apple's Senior Director of Product Marketing, reporting directly to Senior Vice President Phil Schiller. He is currently a freelance writer and has become a regular here on Background Mode. Happy to have you back on the show. Great to be here. I want to chat with you about WWDC, since we both work for Apple and have interesting perspectives about these keynotes. I want to get your initial impression of the keynote and how it was produced and your reaction to it in terms of production and the content. And then we'll drop into the various OSs and we'll finish up later with Apple Silicon. So, well, I think we can all say this is uh, the strangest WWDC um, in the history of that event. Um, I think it was really um, well done, well produced. Everyone who is doing um, a virtual keynote, a virtual conference, um, should be taking careful notes um, the way oh, Apple yes. did this. Oh, yes. um, it was done um, extremely well. The cuts were very good. Um, and, you know, frankly, I enjoyed it, in fact, in some ways better than previous keynotes because you didn't have a whole bunch of uh, people in the audience cheering or booing or whatever they would be doing at any given moment. So the keynote kind of just flowed pretty much the way Apple would have liked it to uh, flow. And, um, you know, they said what they said. The timing um, was good. Got through all the major announcements um, that they needed to do. So I think it was a great, you know, keynote. Um, there are always going to be some people who are disappointed. How come Apple didn't introduce, you know, new hardware? How come Apple didn't introduce this? And it's a good reminder that you know, developers' conferences are for developers. Apple spoke directly to developers on the things that they need um, in terms of operating platforms and in terms, of course, this big change um, for the Mac that's coming. They did introduce new hardware. They introduced a Mac Mini with an A12Z for developers. And I was kind of wondering about the um, disconnect between introducing a ARM-based Mac and then announcing Intel-based iMacs sort of a mixed message there. So I can understand why they deferred the announcement of the new iMacs with Intel, which Tim Cook referred to. I'm almost certainly sure that he's referring to the iMacs with the 10th generation Intel chips. Yeah, this is going to be a bit of a murky time for Apple, um, where on one hand, they want to sell computers. On the other hand, they don't want um, to hold developers back. And, you know, whenever you do something like this, you run into, um, you know, what the industry calls the Osborne effect. Um, when Osborne Computers announced a brand new generation of computers coming right. and immediately killed, killed the sales of everything they had on the That's market. That just won't um, go away. When it lasts yeah. forever. <laughs> and went out of business. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so anytime, anytime you announce a new product while you have old products on the market, um, you really don't want to kill the sales of those. So this is going to be um, an interesting marketing time because uh, you know my advice to anyone would be, um, yep, don't buy a Mac right now, um, and you know make do with what you have, um, buy a used one, but don't put any money in investing in Intel uh, because it's a dead end. 
And, you know, as much as Tim says, we'll continue to support, um, et cetera, um, this was the equivalent of buying, um, you know, an old uh, power PC. Yeah, but, you know, Michael, Michael, I I suspect there are some stalwarts who are saying to themselves, grab these last Intel generation Macs while they last so I can skip over the rough early years on, on ARM. Or there's people yeah. who just definitely want to depend on being able to install Windows on their MacBook Pro, and they don't want to have to worry about the angst of the difficulties of getting through the early years on ARM. And they're going, I can depend on an Intel Mac. I understand it. You know, I'm going to grab yep. the last one in the line and hang on for dear life. I think there's some of those too, don't you think? There's always people like that. You know, there were the people um, who, when Apple discontinued the, you know, prior, prior generation of, um, you know, MacBook Air and said, wow, I'm grabbing onto these uh, before they disappear. And the truth is, um, you probably bought too many. It was the people who were stocking up on paper goods, you know, at the beginning of the <laughs> pandemic. You probably bought too many. Um, yeah. I mean, if you have very, very specific needs, if you need to run, um, you know, Windows on your Mac uh, through virtualization, we know that's not going to be possible on the new ARM-based systems. Um, yeah, you you better buy one of these, um, you know, Are you Intel sure systems. About that? Are you sure you won't be able to run Windows in virtualization, or is that I mean, just a I mean, surmise? It's a surmise. Um, they certainly haven't mentioned it. Um, it's a question about what kind of virtualization they're going to do. But, you know, if you want to stay safe, I mean, it, it, Windows is still going to run best on Intel. Um, it's what about Windows to, on ARM? Maybe you'll be able to install Windows uh, for the ARM processor on your ARM-based Mac? Maybe, maybe. Certainly, maybe, maybe. But again, like you said, if you want to play the odds and say, I want to stick with what I know, um, you know, my mom has her rotary telephone in her house. She's not ready to do that newfangled <laughs> push button technology. One day that, that, that push button technology will prove itself um, to be worthy, and then she'll give up her phone. But in the meantime, it works. It makes phone calls. She receives phone calls. Um, yeah, there are going to be people who see no need to upgrade. And certainly, if you have a working Mac, you're not going to necessarily want to be among the first people that go there. This is that you know really interesting you know mid time. Um, so again, like I said, if you need a Mac, I would buy a refurbished one. Um, you know, uh, hang on to the one that you have and see how this plays out over the next few months. I certainly. Yeah, I certainly wouldn't rush to buy something brand new, and I certainly wouldn't want to be the first one standing online to buy one of the new, um, you know, ARM-based Macs um, whenever they ship. Um, you know, I think Tim said his goal was toward the end of the year, before the end of the year. But you know, we also know that with Apple, that could mean um, we ship it on December thirty-first at eleven p.m. and we ship yeah. four of them. Um, <laughs> they made the goal, so you never know um, what that's going to be. If you're financially able right. in these tough times, I would recommend having several Macs in the house that are Intel-based so that when you buy your first ARM Mac and you have any difficulties, you've got a system to fall back on to connect to your Apple ID and to carry on business as usual until you figure out what's going on with your ARM Mac. I wouldn't want it to be the only Mac in the house. Yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't necessarily want it to be 
um, you know, the sole thing that I'm using. But on the other hand, um, I'm perfectly okay with it um, being there, and it's probably going to work. And the good news is, um, if I have a Mac, if I just bought a Mac, you know, um, a month ago, don't worry, your Mac is going to be supported for you know at least a few sure. years down the road. Your apps are going to continue to work. Almost certainly, all your App Store apps um, will continue to function just Apple's, fine. Apple's press release said that Apple will ship Mac OS for Intel Macs for years to come. Right. I mean, for years to come is sort of vague. Um, it's sort of nice when companies oh. saying like, uh, well, you know, when, know when Google says... Because Apple right. machines go into, uh, what's the status word? Uh, historical status. Uh, after Historical retired yeah, or... after about five um, or seven yeah. years. Yeah, so... Yeah. And, and what that's going to do to Intel, um, you know, how well Apple will continue to want to backtrack towards Intel remains to be seen. But, um, you know, those are problems for the future. Like I said, I think the keynote went about as well as it could. Um, it is interesting that Apple, you know, this is Apple, we're not talking about moving from, you know, um, an x86 architecture to ARM. We're moving from Intel to Apple, to Apple Silicon is, uh, I believe, the correct way to put it. Um, the focus here is not on the technology, but the focus here is on Apple. This is an Apple product. This is something that Apple has, um, you know, created and worked on. Um, and we're not going to hear the word ARM coming from Apple pretty much ever. Yeah, we uh, got the impression here at the Mac Observer that um, the failure to use the word ARM at any point in the keynote and the use of the term Apple Silicon is a placeholder for some sort of new branding. There's going to be a name for this chip because it's not going to be yeah, directly I, an A14 like would, one would go into a phone. It's going to be a derivative product and I think Apple wants to punctuate that with new branding. Yeah, it could be a triple A fifteen or um, a triple AX or well, be some know, cool some, name for it. You know, like uh, right strong arm. Well, I think know, that's been used. <laughs> right. I mean, it could be something like you know um, the you know a fifteen uh, X with hyperdrive threaded <laughs> core. You're getting Microsoft in here now, good Michael. <laughs> that sounds I like mean, a... I mean, I mean, you know, Apple, Apple's, you know, some of the stuff, the way they've described their past shifts in, in the sense has gone, you know, a little bit, like you say, <laughs> that, what does it mean? Like, you know, um, a liquid retina display. People are going, what is that? Oh, it's an LCD. It's just an LCD. There's no such thing as a liquid retina in the display except in Apple land. <laughs> what did you think of um, the CAN demos, like the Craig Federici demo of um, iOS 14? You know, if they had a crash or a problem with the with an alpha, I'm sure it was an alpha version, not even beta of iOS 14, that Craig was holding in his hand. And if, of course, if it crashes or locks up, um, yeah. you just do a retake. And some, some yep. somebody on the Mac Observer team thought, well, gee, that's no fun. We want to see the, you know, the real live event with the perils of live demos and the possibility of disaster. We want to see how he handles it. And that's the fun part. And I think other people would say, well, you know, it's better to have a smooth demo. What do you think? From an Apple perspective, again, to the audience, this is what they want. They want demos to work. Um, they yeah. don't like 
embarrassing things when something you know um, you know doesn't work and Craig says oh well it's because something was backstage and we had to redo it and you know um, oh, see now it works um, on the other hand uh, you know from from behind the scenes there are so many redundancies um, in those demos that when something doesn't work at least you know back in the jobs days you, you were pretty much guaranteed of you know death um if you recall the um, the keynote where oh, the famous, Steve, uh, yeah. camera with the dead battery incident right right well or, or the event that i was thinking of was um when um the wi-fi wasn't working and you know steve said everyone turn off your wi-fi everyone turn <laughs> off your hotspot turn off your phone and uh you know I, I, I clearly someone in the back was sweating when this thing wasn't working and then of course most of the journalists were saying you know hell with that I, i've got copy to write right. I, i've got work to do um do you so, think yeah. this uh, but, keynote just sets the stage for a new kind of keynote in the future when we get back to normal and there are people in the audience and everybody's vaccinated and, you know, it's behind us. Do you think there's some elements of this kind of keynote that will carry forward? I certainly hope so. Um, you know, between this and, um, you know, what Microsoft is doing, um, Google canceled IO entirely, so we don't know. But uh, you hear from a lot of folks who are saying, you know what, this was great. I did not have to fly across country. Uh, I got the information, you know, that I wanted. Um, yeah, I missed the interaction. I missed the social interaction um, that goes with it. But the advantage is, um, you know, the convenience factor uh, and, and not having to to, um, you know, run from session to session or not, you know, having to say, oh, I missed, I couldn't get into that session because they didn't get there fast enough. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I, I think this sets the benchmark. I certainly hope that in the future, um, this will be much more the way we see Apple, you know, product introductions. Um, and the question is, you know, will press and journalists get on their planes and, you know, go through the expense of flying and, you know, staying in a hotel um, for the privilege of, you know, sitting in the audience and watching the keynote that's streamed um, for the sole purpose of touching the device on hand immediately after. Um, certainly that benefits Apple. Apple likes when people are there and they're touching their devices and, you know, in many cases, sending people home with their devices, the early adopters. But, you know, that's something that could be easily remedied simply by, you know, making sure you have FedEx deliveries coming to people like right after the keynote um, to the ones who uh, need to get them. I don't think sure. anyone would be too upset um, if Apple said future product intros are going to be done this way. Um, we've seen that, um, you know, the video game conferences all worked out rather well. So, Again, aside from the people who go there, and this is their form of you know social interaction, um, I don't think people are going to miss it. The question is, you know, what's Apple's factor um, in terms of this? And of course, it also benefits in the sense of Apple doesn't have to say we had this many people, we have to worry about this many people filling the audience, etc. Although you lose some of the energy from an Apple perspective, um, you know, as an Apple employee sitting in the audience and, you know, cheering on if you're one of the employees that gets to go to the keynote, um, 
you know, that certainly is, uh, you know, a very, very, you know, nice little perk. But, you know, I think that, you know, we just may be coming to the end of this type of an error, particularly for an evolutionary product. Uh, you know, wow, another iPhone launch. Wow. You know, uh, it's a new watch. You know, perhaps when we get to, you know, some really new breakthrough product um, that, you know, eventually comes out, that might be worthy of bringing everyone together again and kind of just saving those events, you know, for the really, really special stuff. The developers um, will tell the story when we're all done with this, the developers will weigh in and say, you know, I got a chat session with an Apple engineer. I went to a lab. I attended the sessions virtually. I, I got online developer notes. I got everything I needed. So we'll find out. Right. And- and I didn't have to, you know, um, you know, put in for a lottery ticket to, you know, get to yeah. be there. Uh, yeah. I didn't have to spend, you know, money to go to the developer conference. Um, everything was free. Um, you know, so there's some pretty good perks, and especially if you're a, you know, relatively small developer, uh, just the cost of going right. to, you know, WC, you know, getting your plane ticket, um, your hotels, your meals, and, and all the other stuff that goes, um, you know, with a trip like that. For a small developer, that's money that I'm sure they would rather be putting elsewhere than going to this type of a conference. Like I said, the question will be how much people really miss the social interaction, the stuff that happens in the hallways, um, you know, the um, the parties and, and the things of that ilk, uh, you know, for um, a lot of these developers who have been, you know, chained into their cubicles, you know, for the last year, this is their chance to leave and, you know, come out and experience the real world before they're, you know, sent back, um, you know, where they belong. Uh, but we'll see. Look, there's no doubt Apple's going to be monitoring very, very carefully um, what the feedback is. And, you know, this may be one of those uh things of the new norm where people getting together for conferences is going to be a thing of the past. Um, certainly, be. I wouldn't expect that until there's some sort of, you know, vaccine, until people really feel safe, um, it's going to be a hard sell, I think, to get a lot of people back. I agree. Well, we've come to the end of the first part of the show. Uh, in the second half of the show, I want to ask you about some of the uh, Apple OS uh, discussion and rollouts of iOS 14 and so on and so on. But first, it's time for a commercial break. Folks, I'm chatting with Michael Gartenberg. We'll be back in 60 seconds. Stay with us. Today, our sponsor is MacPaw. One of MacPaw's apps I want to tell you about today is Clean My Mac X. Clean My Mac X is a beautifully designed application for managing clutter on your Mac. It shows you exactly what's stored on your Mac, revealing app leftovers and system junk that you didn't know existed. The app's most popular feature is Smart Scan. It examines your system for system log files and user cache that is no longer needed. Smart Scan also does a quick malware scan. Time to complete? A few seconds. Designed for Mac OS 10.10 and higher, Clean My Mac X helps speed up even the oldest machines. The maintenance feature offers multiple tweaks to optimize your slow system. And installation takes just a couple of minutes. Clean My Mac X has a trial mode, which allows you to try out the app's features for free and decide whether it works for you. Visit macpaw.com podcast to purchase a subscription and use coupon code BGM2020 to receive 5% off. Click the Buy Now button, then scroll to the bottom of your screen to enter the code before completing your purchase. Clean My Mac X is also now available in the Apple App Store. So check it out. And thanks, MacPaw, for being our sponsor. We're back. I'm chatting with Michael Gardenberg. 
So, Michael, tell me what you think of iOS 14. I was pretty impressed. Um, you know, a very uh, nice evolution forward um, for the operating system certainly brings, um, you know, some things that people have been asking for for a very long time. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, yours truly. Everyone's home screens, um, you know, trying to manage pages and pages of applications. Um, You you can't find, you know, a sorted list alphabetically, um, managing. So, uh, this whole new way of managing apps and pages is is really good. I've been, um, you know, playing around with the beta here for the last day or so. Um, and it's really, really wonderful. I mean, there's a few things that I wouldn't mind, um, you know, a little more flexibility um, when you create the, you know, app groups on that final homepage. Um, Apple categorizes them for you as Apple sees fit. You can't recategorize them yourself, um, which is a little bit frustrating, but not terribly so. That was my first um, and, reaction. I thought, boy, this is really going to constrain me. I don't like pre-programmed constraints like this. Right. But I found that I can live with it as opposed to the mess that was there before. It's still a lot easier than saying, where did I put Spotify? Did I file it next? Did I put it next to a music app? Um, did it get moved when I added some new app? Um, so I was kind of able to streamline things back to like, you know, just one homepage with the apps that I always use and stick everything else in, into that um, app drawer. And, you know, it, it, to be honest, this is one of those things that is very Android-like. Um, this is an experience that Android users have been very familiar with, um, having an app drawer where their apps are you know, listed alphabetically, um, not necessarily grouped um, by function, but at least listed alphabetically. And then you can set up your own um, home screens and you know put whatever apps you want um, over there. And it's been one of the advantages um, if you've had you know a large amount of apps for um, as an Android user um, for an iOS user this is a you know really big deal especially is this listed I can right say on had, Android is it so similar you think maybe they had to pay a license fee no any more than you know you could argue that you know um, pinch to zoom you need a license fee for yeah um, right I, I, this is, <laughs> Yeah, this is one of those things where you, you can't really say, uh, you know, there's multiple ways of doing it. And there's only, you know, this is like there's one unique way of doing this and therefore you need a license. Um, no, it was just, you know, a nice uh, feature that had existed in Android. And, um, you know, certainly all the Android users online were cheering and saying, look, Apple stole from us. Apple yeah, stole from course. us. <laughs> uh, as if it matters one way or the other. Um, but it does make iOS a lot nicer. Um, the idea of widgets that you can put anywhere on screen, um, obviously something Android has done for um, pretty much ever, um, you know, that have been out there. So that is a nice feature. We'll have to start seeing um, what developers do at the moment. The only widgets you can start messing around with are the Apple created ones, but it seems like developers shouldn't have too much of a problem creating their widgets um, in that uh, more meaningful way where you could put them around and, you know, clutter up your phone as you see fit. But it is um, very, very nice to finally see this type of flexibility. Uh, 
um, where I can, uh, you know, tweak um, my applications uh, the way they want. Uh, Might have been even, you know, more fun if there was some sort of automatic setting. So, for example, here are the apps that I use in the course of my day. Um, at a certain point at night, it switches over to, um, you know, the following apps. We'll probably get there. You know, when you have a new release like yeah. iOS 14.0, it's best not to get too tricky. And I'm betting right. that uh, the idea was to get the infrastructure into place, keep it simple, keep it reliable, and then <laughs> in iOS 14.1, then get fancy with options. Right. And you yeah. could still sort of do that with the hidden screens. You could simply create two screens, you know, one that you use for your day apps, one you use for your evening apps, and when you get home, just switch back and forth. But it's nice to see this type of flexibility built into iOS. I mean, people have been asking for this ever since the first, you know, apps came right. out, since there was the notion yeah. of, of a home screen. Um, so it's taken a while, and um, you know, um, whether wherever the inspiration was, it works. Apple's implementation works very, very nicely, and I think um, every iOS user is going to be really, really thrilled with that. Uh, I think the downside was, uh, wait, why doesn't iPad OS get that? Um, I have the same messy pages with my uh, iPad, if not worse. Um, and, and that was sort of a head scratcher. Um, why that didn't make the cut um, into um, iPad well, yeah, more OS? Real estate on an iPad. You know, you're so cramped on a phone. You really have to have intelligent management of all those apps. And I still have pages upon pages upon pages of apps on my iPhone that I can't keep track of. Um, it, it's the same problem um, I find that I have with um, the phone. And um, yeah, I said, that's one of those things, boy, it would have been nice, uh, you know, even the ability to, you know, hide and, and, and do some of those things. So no doubt that it's going to come. And I'm not complaining too much considering all the good stuff we got from iPad OS uh, and iPads, you know, this past year, including mouse and, and you know, uh, trackpad support. Right. And of course, uh, that, that wonderful um, Magic Keyboard accessory, which really transformed the iPad um, into something well beyond a tablet. Um, you know, I think that may be the coolest product I've seen from Apple in a very, very, very long time, maybe in years, um, because it really gives the iPad um, an existence to live. <laughs> Do you think the uh, home screen management is going to be the signature feature of iOS 14, or is there... Another one on the list that, that pops out in your mind is something that's dramatically more, I mean, there more there the were, signature move. Well, I mean, that's going to be the signature feature, I think, that and, and widgets, and because the, the most visible part of the experience. But there's a lot of other stuff um, that's sort of you know buried in there. Um, the ability to tap. Right, tap on the back of the screen to um, you know add features, translate. Um, again, something that Android users were all kind of snickering about. Um, they've had that, and I think at the moment, um, Google's language list for translation far outseeds um, what Apple has done. Um, you know, we've seen some improvements to Siri, which is always nice. Um, you know, Siri's been you know clearly um, under fire from you know, other people for quite some time. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I said there are other features. I think the signature feature is going to be the home screen. And again, certainly if you have a large screen phone, this is, you know, even more beneficial. The bigger your phone, um, the nicer this feature is going to work for you. Um, and, 
trying to think of some of the other stuff, the tap on the back of the screen where I can double tap and get a function or triple tap and get a function. Um, also a very, very nice, um, little, you know, usability features that come into play there. Um, I can uh, choose my mail client and um, web browser by default, although the web browser has to conform with Apple's um, WebKit, so it's really not that you know big a change. Um, I can't change my default music player. I can't change my default um, map, um, and I don't think that's going to come um, anytime soon. So um, yeah, I mean, it's a good solid update and hopefully it will perform in terms of speed hopefully it won't be as buggy um one of the things that apple's come under fire um you know in the past years for was releasing operating systems that just weren't quite ready for prime time um and you know this time frame of we've got the developer conference in june um, we pretty much have until september to figure out how to make all this stuff work um, assuming that there's going to be also features that we don't know about in ios 14 that'll you know be no, uh, apparent once we can... because the rumors well, are that iphone 12 is going to be delayed and so apple is going to catch a break maybe and you know again will it be what the delays will be will be delayed will we have a delayed introduction will we have delayed delivery i don't think anyone knows at this point i think again most people are trying to say you know this is today and um you know it's uh, you know a little after four o'clock and that's about as far as i can predict you know i can i can probably <laughs> work my way into the five o'clock hour but otherwise uh the unknowns here are just so great but that's a good thing because in this particular situation chaos can work in apple's favor um, and you know get the time to make sure when this is released it's released solid although i have to say using i said using the beta for the last day um and you know risking my phone um and my watch i've been pleasantly surprised um it feels rock solid i have not found any you know strange bugs any crashes um you know i haven't pushed it too hard but you know the things the signature features work the way they're supposed to work um and uh, you know so far it's looking very very good um for users um as this becomes available and i'm also running it on an iphone 7 and it works really fine on the iphone 7 um you know smooth functional um fluid uh games uh, and, and things of that ilk run really well not seeing any particular slowdowns or hiccups and that's pretty good for a phone that was introduced in what 2016 yeah um yeah. not bad for a four-year-old phone that you know still maintains um its functionality of course you know, the downside for apple is people who own iphone 7s are going hey this phone works really well do i really need to buy myself an iphone 10 11 or 12 um or whatever you goes you forward mentioned you were running a watch os 7 beta you know, when I was watching the uh, keynote, uh, I thought, you know, face sharing, this is great. The new workouts, adding dance, this is great. And the sleep tracking, and then I started getting a little uneasy. And then the wind down, the regimented time for bed, and I started getting a little bit uneasy. And then all of a sudden, they came up with the hand washing and listening to the faucet. And I thought, my, I, my reaction was, oh boy, Apple wants to regiment my life. You're right down to washing well, my hands. 
Well, I think we've known that. And, you know, I think it's um, if you didn't have to charge your watch in the morning after wearing it all night, there would probably be a toothbrush sitting in there as well. To I missed you know, that on our news broadcast. <laughs> yeah, I have an uh, NFC sensor in your toothbrush and then link to the phone. And then after you brush your teeth, you're, you're, you get a graphic of your mouth and it says, you missed brushing in these areas. Go back and try again. <laughs> Right, or, or, you know, the uh, scent sensor where it tells you you might really need a shower before you go out and about. Uh, but, we're starting uh, to run out of time a little bit. Let's move on to Big Sur. Did you, did you recall the days when Apple came out with the iPad in 2010 and everybody snickered? You know, they made, you know, feminine hygiene an, an issue. So did you, do you know yeah. that the abbreviation for Big Sur from now on is going to be BS? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't pick up on that, and I suspect uh, the product people at Apple didn't pick up on that either. So <laughs> I'm going to have fun for the next year abbreviating Big Sur as the BS OS, although I was hoping for Death Valley. I don't want to do it, that, but, but I have fun I guess, kidding them about that. In the, in these times, Death Valley was not the way to go. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, 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 that's my favorite operating system name for fun. Um, did you get the impression? Did you get the impression that um, Apple didn't want to talk about any strong architectural changes in Big Sur? That it was all the security enhancements and all the major architectural changes bit the bullet in Catalina, where we dropped 32-bit apps and. We did all this uh, authentication of services, and then Big Sur is basically just a GUI makeover to make it look like iOS. Exactly. What we did is we, we, we got rid of all the crud in the last operating system that would have held us back to ARM. Um, and now we have made you know this uh, transitional base. And yeah, I mean... It, it, the real question is, like, you know, what role is the Mac going to have going forward? You know, wow, these new ARM Macs are going to run, um, you know, iOS applications natively, um, iPad applications natively. Um, if I'm a developer, why bother doing Catalyst if I can just run an iPad app um, on people's Mac? And Oh, uh, no, 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 no. What about all the scientists who live and breathe Unix and the command line and Bash and Unix tools? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's going to get really, really, you know, funky. Um, right now, I mean, you know, your Mac um, really just looks like it's just missing a touchscreen. <laughs> you know, I think for presentation purposes and marketing and the good looks and commonality across the line and the power of all your operating systems running on ARM is great. But I think the, we should resist the temptation to think that the fundamental aspects of Macs as a Unix system are going to go away. You know, there's clampdowns in iOS and iPadOS that can't be realistically implemented in macOS. Otherwise, we yeah. would dispense with the Mac at all. I mean, if you wanted a Unix machine, you'd buy one from from Dell or somebody else, you know? So I think we, 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 we tend to jump to conclusions that what Apple does is for presentation and visual purposes, 
fundamentally alters the equation of what a Mac is. And I'm not going to subscribe to that. I, I think the Macness will be there for a long time to come. It'll just look cooler. I hope you're right. And I hope developers continue to take that approach and just say, we're going to hit the least common denominator, which is, well, where the units are right now are iOS and um, iPad. Um, and, you know, Mac, relatively small compared to those. Where do I want to put my resources? No matter how easy Apple makes it for me to create something across platforms, it's still extra work. And the future of the Mac is going to be what Apple decides that it is. And, you know, we've had, you know, companies say their products were going to be around forever um, until they're not. Um, if anyone recalls, I'm really going back in time, but um, the Apple 2C introduction um, was right around the time, just shortly after the Mac and Apple was, you know, we're committed to this. And, you know, the tagline of that was Apple 2 forever and forever <laughs> turned out to be forever turned out to be another three or four years. Uh, and that ended forever. Uh, I think that we're going to see this transitional period where we saw it in the past. Yep, we have um, this translation technology that you know lets us run an emulation and apps will continue to work. I can also foresee a future where um, you know the default of the Mac is going to be a lockdown system, where you get your apps from are going to be um, the um, you know um, Apple Store from the App Store. Oh, interesting uh, idea. You know, I mean, look, Microsoft tried this with, you know, um, you know, Windows S, the platform that was just basically you're going to get your apps from their application right, store, right. but there weren't enough, there just weren't enough apps um, for it to make sense for it to work with Windows. Apple does not have that particular problem, and as we know, Apple really wants to control the environment. Apple does not really want third-party developers selling their stuff um, through their own website. You know, one ostensibly for security, but you know, well, secondly... But there are so many exceptions that, to that. There's the podcasting software that digs into their system and directs audio, and you got Bare Bones, which went, you know, round and round with Apple on BD Edit yeah, for a I, long time. There's always going to be those cases, you know. Yeah. And developers, we know that developers are, are definitely not... Thrilled. I mean, we, we saw um, a little bit of a showdown um, with Apple last week uh, between Basecamp and, um, you know, Apple and Phil. And uh, it looks like in, in many ways, Apple, you know, kind of backed down um, with these new things, which was smart because you don't want to go into WWDC with all the developers grumbling about Apple. Um, right. And they addressed it head on, and then they moved along. Um, so it became a non-issue. Although I saw an interview with uh, you know the CEO of Basecamp, you know, and he was saying, "We will never, you know, we'll burn our company to the ground before we give Apple." We're talking about the of Hey anything. email app here, folks. Yeah, the Hey email. Yeah. Uh, so know, we're starting and, to run out of time a little bit, Michael. Um, we're, we've got about sixty seconds left. Is there anything you want to close on in terms of uh, the no. ARM-based Macs? Any comments or was, final thoughts? It was great, WWDC. Uh, they spoke of the transition well. And remember, for all the people who are questioning whether Apple can do this, Apple's done it before. It's yeah. done it several times before. Tiger and on a G4, though. <laughs> but they did it. 
those of us that were also you know, back in the day, the pencil features and iPad OS, it's nice to see that the Newton technology does live and it finally has come back in terms of um, Apple's handwriting technology, which they've had for years, but just never implemented. Um, it was actually buried in OS 10. You could turn it on and presumably if you had a trackpad, you could use it. Um, but Apple's handwriting recognition is, is actually second to none. So this is a pretty great little feature that I think um, iPad OS users um, are going to get. So overall, I think it was a great developer conference. Um, reaction has been very, very good. It's clear that Apple is listening um, to developers. And, um, you know, we're going to see in the weeks and months ahead um, what comes out of it. What happens to those when developers start talking about what's going on with their um, first, uh, you know, dev kits. So yeah. it's going to be um, an exciting, be an exciting year, I think, um, for Apple. Years. Yeah, this transition is going to be yeah. a lot of fun. And can't wait to see I, right, what those first ARM Macs are going to look like. Is Apple going to really work on the design language to say, you know, these are the new ones. Boy, we want you to make sure that they don't look like the old ones. We I've want heard to be that able mentioned to before, and I agree with that. How they're going to do that is going to be interesting to watch. Especially in the post Johnny Ive era. Um, Absolutely. So we're going to have to wrap. All right. It's been a pleasure. Um, Thank you once again for having me on and um, look forward to joining you again sometime in the future. It's been great, Michael. I'll be happy to have you back and soon. So, uh, folks, you've been listening to John Marcellaro and Michael Gardenberg on the Mac Observer's background mode. We'll see you again next week. Thanks, Michael. It was fun. Bye bye.